All right, good, we're on. It's good to see you here this morning, and uh, nice to have some visitors with us. Why did I take that off? There we go. I'm, uh, I'm hoping this morning as we look into the scriptures that it will be a blessing for you. Um, turn your Bibles, please, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not that ambidextrous, Matt, that I can do that many things at once. Are we up there now? It says mirroring. It says auditorium two. It's on mirror. Uh, it's gone back to iPad. Now it's gone to mirror auditorium two. It keeps kicking me out here. So you can, you can do that while I pray for myself. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's take a moment and go to the Lord. What? <laughs> Father, thank you for this day. We thank you for... Uh, our Savior, the Lord Jesus, we thank you for uh, time to sing these songs of praise. <clears throat> I ask, Lord, that you would um, give help in looking into your word today. Thank you for everyone who is here. And I uh, pray that your word would be a blessing. And that we will come away today walking closer with the Lord Jesus Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. All right. Okay, I see, we're, I see we're absolutely nowhere on getting the notes up behind me, so we'll just have to go it. Um, Acts chapter 2, and if you could uh, go with me to verse, 30, verse 36. Now, at this point in time, uh, Peter has um, stood up on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit has come, and the believers are all, they've gathered in one place, and now they are, because they are speaking in tongues and people have heard what they have said in their own language, uh, they find themselves uh, in front of a crowd who are accusing them of things like being drunk and disorderly and, and so on. So Peter makes this wonderful sermon, and I'm not going to read the, the sermon in its entirety because where, where I'm wanting to go, as you can see from the wall behind me, is I want to talk about this word that comes up in this passage. So let's start in verse 36. And, uh, okay, so I'll tell you, first of all, what I want to do, <clears throat> now that it's there. Okay, I want to talk about fellowship. Why do we meet? Why do we have fellowship? What is it? What is it all about? And uh, what isn't it? And I, I thought, Okay, I gotta come up with a title for this. And I thought, fellowship, okay, uh, why we meet? So I did that. And then I came across somebody else saying, doing life together. And I thought that was a better title. I like that, doing life together. So that's what fellowship I wanna talk about today. Here's the passage, although 36 isn't there. 
Uh, verse 36, therefore let all Israel be assured of this, that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the, Holy, uh, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who were, are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And with many other words he testified and exhorted them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. And then those who gladly received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. I'm gonna stop there just for a second. Because most of what I wanna to say today is going to be geared to people who have gotten to this point. They have heard the message. They've heard the word of God and they have believed the word of God and they have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ and they are saved and going to heaven. And I just wanna say, can we turn, is that loud or is it just me? Okay, it's, it's, can just take it down a little bit? It's bouncing in my ears here and it's, um, so, Anyway, the offer that Peter put before them to believe and be baptized is here for you today. If you have not come and accepted Jesus Christ, you can be added to the church of God today. You can be added just like the 3,000 in that day and be saved from what he calls this perverse generation by believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. And then it says in verse... 41, then those who gladly um, received his word were baptized, and that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, fellowship in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Then fear came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were done through the apostles. Now all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they sold their possessions and goods and divided them among them as anyone had need. So continually, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking of bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God, having favor with all people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I'm gonna ask once again, we just take a, a quick moment and pray. I just, I feel a little discombobulated right now. Father, thank you for your word, and I just pray that you would, uh, again, um, settle my heart a bit here, um, just with the way things have not started off uh, correctly in, in my mind, but you have a purpose in all of these things, and I just pray that you would help me uh, as I look into your word to be clear. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, I don't know about you, but I've found this to be a particularly difficult winter. Um, uh, not, not necessarily because we had a gazillion centimeters of snow and ice and all kinds of things that happened like that, and here's kind of what winter looked like for us. But we, we hung the Sorry We're Closed sign on the front door five times this winter. Between Valentine's Day and Easter Sunday, we were canceled five times. And that was tough, I have to admit. In fact, it got to the point, it was three weeks in a row, and I, actually, if a volcano erupted in the North End, I was coming on Easter Sunday. 
That's just the way, that's, that's kind of the way I felt. Like, it was hard, we were, we were apart. Uh, I, I know there are other things that, you know, people talk about the, the winter was tough because of the weather. I'm gonna ask you guys again, if you don't mind turn that down just a little bit. I find it's, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's off. Okay, thank you. Um, so, our oil bills are up. The snow is up. We've canceled, we're not getting together. And it's very, very difficult. So why was it difficult? Was it because, because we just canceled? And I can't go through that go to church thing? Was it because I didn't get teaching? No, not really, because I get to listen to a lot of great preachers. I have a stick in my car with well, 3,000, 4,000 messages on it, and I can pick whatever I want, and I can listen to the greatest preachers in the world. I kind of missed hearing the preachers here, though. Are kind of, there's something about eating and feeding at your own table that's good. You know, I, I travel a bit, and, and I can eat in restaurants, and that, that's probably pretty obvious to you. But, <laughs> but there's just something about getting home and having a meal at home. Was it the fact that uh, I missed the singing? Not really. I've got a lot of music in the car that actually sounds a lot better than we do. But, so, but I did miss the singing. There's something about when we get together and sing, and I missed it. What I missed was just being together. The fellowship. The fellowship of being together. And I want to talk about that, and I'm, I'm hoping to do just a, a short little series, a couple of messages, on why we fellowship, why we come together and do church. Why do we do it? Why do you need to be in church? What does it mean to be part of a church? To be part of the community? And so this morning I wanna look at this whole thing of fellowship. So, fellowship, what is it? I mean, we talk about, uh, we have the Lord's Supper at 9.30, and then we have a time of fellowship from, well, 10.40 until 11.05. And it's, and it's cookies, and it's coffee, and juice, and and chat. Is that what fellowship is? You know, and you read the very first account, it says that they devoted themselves to fellowship. Did they devote themselves to coffee and cookies and maybe the odd donut or Timbit? No, I don't think so. And Luke talks about apostles' teaching. Well, we say, well, I kind of get that. I mean, that is not why you come to church. You come to hear the Word of God. You come to sit and hear someone preach. You come and sit and hear someone talk about things that they've gleaned from the Word of God in the past week or month or the last little while as they studied it. Okay, I, I, I get that. Did they it says they devoted themselves to prayer. Well, I kind of get that too because it's important that we come together and pray. I, I'm glad we have as many opportunities here at Northbrook to pray as we do. But it says of fellowship, they devoted themselves to fellowship. So it's gotta be more than coffee and cookies and juice. It's gotta be more than that. It's, it's, it's you, you look at, at what fellowship is and what, what it isn't. So is it coffee, cookies between meetings? Is it the barbecue that we have that's always outstanding over at the Demolitors or Gabriel's or the Robertsons or the Wells's or whoever else wants to host them this year? <laughs> is, is, we always talk about we're gonna have a fellowship on this weekend or Thursday night or, or whatever it is. Is it just getting together as Christians 
giving thanks for food and eating it? I don't think it is. Is it just the conversations that we have down in the fellowship room here as we get together and talk about are the Blackhawks going to win that game today? Well, the answer is yes, but, but is, that what, is that the extent of what fellowship is? Is it when we get together and talk about the weather and the weather and tomorrow's weather and the bad weather we had in the past and the, and the weather that's coming next week and, and hope the weather is better this summer? And we tend to talk about that a lot. Or our work, is, it, is that what it is? Is that what fellowship is? I don't think so. So is it talking about how your week went and what's going on in your life? Ah, uh, maybe it is. Maybe we're kind of getting onto something here. Maybe as we open up and we get to that, see these are really kind of thir- three levels of what we would call fellowship. Three levels of relationship. The first one where we just, hi, how's it going? Hope you don't answer anything bad and then kind of move on. And if they do answer something bad, you just say, yeah, I'll pray for you, and then you move on. That's level one. That's really superficial on the top. And then you get to a second level of conversation where you actually do talk about something that has some meaning in your life, and you think, okay, yeah, I'm either A, glad I'm not you, or I wish I was you, and then you kind of go and move on to something else. Or then there's this third level where you actually become part of the other person's life and that other person becomes part of your life. And I believe that that is where we get to the point where we can call it fellowship. There are words in the scriptures that would imply that fellowship is a sharing together and a sharing with. They're two different things and I'll expand on that as as I go along. First of all, what is fellowship? Acts chapter two, verse 42, and they, were continually devoting themselves to apostles' teaching, to fellowship, and the breaking of bread. Devoting themselves. It was a priority for these believers. It was a priority in the church. It should be a priority in our church. We would look at that verse and say, yes, we want to hold to all of those things exactly as they're written. That's what we want to do. We want to have a time where we have great teaching, We want to have the breaking of bread, we want to have prayer, and we want to have a great time of having coffee and cookies. No. We want to have what real fellowship is. It's a priority in their lives, and it was as important as teaching, breaking of bread, and prayer. Four things are mentioned, and they were all important. And they were devoted to it. Now, I've actually jumped out of my notes somehow, and I'm going to have to find, okay, so we'll think about the way it is now in kind of the modern day churches. We have a fellowship room, most churches do, or a fellowship hall. We have one here that we call the fellowship room down below. If you ask, where is so-and-so? Well, I think I saw them in the fellowship room. So we have a room that we actually call a fellowship room. I would put it to you today that this is the fellowship room too, because we're all here. The fellowship room downstairs is the coffee room. This is the fellowship room because this is where the body is all gathered together, okay? Fellowship, as the Bible describes it, is not a Christian social activity. 
It's more than enjoying food. It's more than playing games in a Christian atmosphere. It's more than chatting with one another about the past events of the week. They're just not true fellowship. It's more than that. It's when they enter into, when you enter into it, it contributes to the other person's life and their life contributes to you. Many Christians have recognized that there's a deeper and richer meaning to biblical fellowship. And when these people here would say, let's get together for some fellowship, they use, usually mean, let's get together and share the Word of God together. Let's get together and share what's going on in my life spiritually together. Let's get together and pray for one another. Let's get together and get involved in each other's lives as how we can help and encourage one another. The Greek word for fellowship here is the word koinonia. Now, usually I have trouble. I stumble over Greek words, but this one's okay because there used to be a, a band called Koinonia. Do you remember that, Clyde? Yeah, Clyde nods because he's my age. So, so there was a band we used to listen to called Koinonia. And I think one of their covers, it had the word Koinonia, and everybody looks at it and says, what in the world is this? I, I'm not going to buy that. That's going to be in the delete bin. This, Mark, we used to have records these black things, <laughs> and you'd look at that and think koinonia, and then, then underneath in brackets I think it said fellowship, didn't it? I think it was something like that. So koinonia means partic uh, participation, partnership, sharing, and fellowship. It can mean all of these things. And so I want to look at two things. One, sharing, to share together, joint participation or partnership. And the second thing is to share with, giving of what we have to others. So let's just jump right on into sharing together. Fellowship in sharing together. Now, one of the verses that, that would indicate this is as you read uh, 1 John chapter 1, verse 3, it says, and now I, I, I did take the New English Bible because I, I like the way it put together. What we have, uh, put, the, put the word together here. What we have seen and heard declare to you so that you... Uh, and we together may share in a common life, that life which we share with the Father and His Son, Christ Jesus. So fellowship here, as John declares to his readers, is a sharing in a common life together. It's a life together. Thus, the change in the title on the first slide. It's a relationship. It's not an activity. Fellowship is a relationship with one another. It's not just an activity. It's not just a barbecue. It's not just a getting together and tell some funny stories in somebody's home, which I'm guilty of doing and calling that fellowship. Those first Christians in Acts chapter 2 were devoting themselves not to social activities but to a relationship, a relationship that consisted of sharing together the very life that God had given them through the indwelling Holy Spirit. They understood it. They entered into faith in Jesus Christ. They didn't join an organization. They just realized that their fellowship was together as one body because they all had Jesus Christ in common. Their union in Christ brought them into an organic community, a community that was alive and living. The church is a living organism. The church is not just a building. This building could fall down. The church, you people, are still going to be the church, me, we're part of the church. It's not the building. It's a living organism. In 1 Peter 
chapter two, verse five, he calls us being built together as living stones into a spiritual house. Each member is alive. Each person who is part of the church, each person who is a believer in Jesus Christ is part of the body of Christ, a living organism, a single unit with many parts, but, but very much alive. So if we miss the fact that koinonia denotes a community relationship, then we miss the whole meaning of the word. We understand that fellowship means belonging to one another in the body of Christ, with all the privileges and all the responsibilities that go with that. Now, the second thing, it's a partnership. Koinonia also means to share together in a partnership. And both the, the, the Greek writers, uh, the classical Greek writers at the time, and the New Testament writers used the word koinonia to talk about a business partnership. A few verses that, that stand out in um, Luke chapter five, verses nine and 10. It speaks for, for he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken, and so were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon, koinonia with Simon, and Jesus said to Simon, do not be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. They, they had a business partnership going. They were fishermen. They had, they had a, a, a business together. And the word koinonia is used to describe that business together. So in the spiritual realm, Paul described or regarded himself as a partner with his friend Philemon. And you read that in, in Philemon 17. And with the Philippian believers, he said that they were partners with him in the gospel. Koinonia. They fellowshiped together with him in the gospel. They were partners. Often the, the, the guys who preach downtown have, have said, we're so happy to have Northbrook partner with us in the gospel. It's almost like it's a business enterprise with an objective in mind. The objective being leading souls to Christ, bringing glory to God. So when a business comes together, business partnerships, they usually bring it together to a to hit an objective, to provide some kind of a service, and to gain a profit. So when we come together in a fellowship, in a partnership, the whole reason for it is to bring our resources together in a partnership, to serve together, and to bring a, part, a profit. What's the profit? Glorifying God and growing in our walk with Christ. The next um, verse that came to mind here was in James, uh, in, uh, sorry, in Galatians. Uh, it says, James, Cephas, and John accepted Barnabas and myself as partners, it says in the New English version, or New English Bible. But in the King James, New King James, it says, extend at the right hand of fellowship. So that whole idea of partnership and fellowship are tied together. Let's move on to um, the next point. The second point is, not only is it sharing together, but it's sharing with others. To share with one another. The second meaning of koinonia is sharing with you and you sharing with me. The first word that uh, again, I'm going to split this into two, is communion. Uh, communion. Being in communion with one another. We often think of communion as a time when we come and we, uh, we break bread. We have the Lord's Supper. We're in communion with Him. We meet with Him. 
and, and we have this, this relationship with the Lord where we're communing with him. But it's more than that. It's a, it's a commune, this, the word in fellowship here is to commune with one another. You being part of my life, me being part of your life, tying our lives together. Um, when you read in Acts chapter two, verses five to 11, it says that the believers in the, in the, first, in the early church, it says were from every nation under heaven. These ones that came together were from every nation under heaven. There was really nothing to tie them together. They would have been like, you know how you break billiard balls in a, in a, in a game and they just, psh, that was really what their life would have been like without Christ. But Christ brought them together into one. And I look at us even here today at Northbrook. We're from, we don't have, some of us have some things in common with each other, but there's a lot of people who don't have anything in common. We're, we're different we're made up of a group that ethnically we're different, socially, financially, chronologically. We're different from each other. But God has brought us together into a fellowship where we commune with one another. I, I love that when we, when we get together and we're in a Bible study, whether it's the Tuesday night Bible study or the men's study. I don't get to go to the ladies' study. But I love how we get together. We're all different. We're all from different backgrounds. Yesterday we were talking about manners and customs. I mean, of all things to talk about in the men's study. And it was probably our latest and longest men's study that we ever had. We went to about 10.30 from 7.30. But we talked about manners and customs. And we learned so much from people who grew up in Africa, people who grew up here, people who grew up in Yarmouth and ate roly-polies, people, <laughs> <laughs> people who grew up in Cape Breton. I mean, where manners are, well, different. But, <clears throat> and customs for sure. But, but we, we all came together in one place. And we had a wonderful time of sharing these things with one another and a sense of communion. There was no disagreement. Well, you know what? Gabriel's ridiculous that you bow down in front of your father. That's crazy. You don't do that. You shake his hand. Come on. No, it was like I learned from that. I thought that I can learn from some of these things. We learned so much. We're so different from each other. Yet we were able to encourage one another. He still didn't understand a word that John Chan and Ken and I said, but that's okay. We're bound together, one Savior, one body, one purpose. It's focused on God. Our communion is focused on the Lord. When we come together, our communion, as we, when we come as a church, we don't come here to talk about sports. We don't come here to talk about weather. When we stay home, when, when weather's to be talked about, we just close. But we, when we come together here, we don't come to talk about those things. We can talk about those things, but our primary purpose is to talk about Christ. Our primary purpose is to talk about what the Lord is doing in our lives. Uh, friends from Cape Breton said to me today, how are things going? Great, there's some exciting things to talk about. We're having a baptism at the end of the month at Northbrook. Praise the Lord. You can actually say praise the Lord for that. We're having a baptism at the end of the month. All right. <laughs> so, and, and if anybody wants to tell us that they're burdened about baptism, come and talk to us, Okay because we'd love to baptize. We'd love to see people come and want to obey the Lord and walk with him. So there are things, th those are the things we talk about. That's the communion, that's what draws us together, are those things. And those first Christians, they were all Jews. They were all different. They, they, and, and so there were Jews that came together, and then the Old Testament scriptures that they knew, and then the apostles who studied them and taught them, it was a new way. It was different. We're learning new things. We're growing together, we're changing. 
God in the scriptures is working in my life. He's working in your life. I'm going to tell you about what he's doing in my life. Tell me, what's he doing in your life? That's what fellowship is. If I can come up to somebody and say, what's God doing in your life? And you want to talk about it. That's, a, that's fellowshipping together, one with another. It goes beyond the temporal issues of the day and sharing on a level that we challenge and, and desire that one another will grow. Now, the next one is, is going to be tough. It's not just communion with others. It's sharing our material possessions. It's sharing what I have with you. Now, let's go back to our passage. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42, uh, verse 44 rather, and 45. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. One of the most common uses of koinonia in the New Testament is in the sense of sharing material resources with one another. We read in Romans chapter 12, verse 13, to share with God's people who are in need. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse uh, 13, Paul commends the, the church for their generosity in sharing with others. And the writer of Hebrews in chapter 11, uh, verse 13, speaks of not to neglect to do good and to share what you have. Such sacrifices are pleasing to God. There's an expectation of us as believers that I don't look and say, mine, this is mine. No, this is something that God has given me. God has, uh, sorry, God has given me to be the steward of, not to be my own, but to be the steward of what he has given me in my life whether it's my car, it's my house, my food, whatever it may be, the Lord is asking us to share what we have with others. In uh, 1 Corinthians chapter uh, 12, verses 25 and 26, in the ESV it says that there be, may be no division in the body, but the members may have uh, the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. You see, that's one of the tough things when we can't get together, like we had this, this, this winter. You know there are people hurting. You know there are people who need to just be up against another person. There are people who need an encouraging word from someone. And to go for two, three weeks, and you're not in their life, and they're not in your life, can be very, very tough for a person. There's a great need to feel what the other is going through. Do I hurt when you hurt? Or do I say, hey, I'll pray for you. Hey, Ken, how you doing? And I move on to somebody else. You know, I'll pray for you can be a brush off. Or it can be the most wonderful words a person can hear. If you really are in the person's life, if you really are to the point that you're sharing your life with them, if there's a person that I share my life with, I have clo some close friends that I know when I say, look, I'm, I'm struggling right now, and here's what I'm struggling with. I know when they say, I am praying for you. Or there are people who have said, I pray for you every night. 
or every day or every morning. I pray for your kids. And I know I can take that to the bank. I can count on that. They are giving of their life to me for, the gro- for my growth, for my children's growth, for my wife's growth, for us to walk with God. They hurt when I hurt. I should hurt when they hurt. It's similar to a partnership. This is a relationship where if you're in a business with somebody and you're a partner and one business partner is struggling with something, the other partner comes alongside and tries to help them, don't they? I'm not saying the church is a business, not by any means, but it's a partnership, a partnership. You hurt, I hurt. You rejoice, I rejoice. When we have that baptism, I hope we all rejoice at that moment, together. That should tie us together in rejoicing. Application of the scripture in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 13 and 14. I do not say this so that there would be relief for others and suffering for you, but as a matter of equality, at the present time, your abundance will meet their need so that one day their abundance may meet your need and thus there may be equality. You know, it's not just about me meeting your needs. I do that hoping that someday you can meet my needs. When we're both in need, if I can meet your need today, then maybe someday when I'm needy, you can meet my need. And I'm not talking about necessarily financially. Yes, I am talking financially, but I'm also talking in a spiritual sense, in a struggle sense. Maybe I'm doing well today and you're not doing well today spiritually. Maybe I can help you. And maybe someday down the road, when I'm struggling, you can help me. That's what the partnership is all about. That's what our fellowship is all about. Paul desired a continual flow of the believer's possessions towards those who have needs. So it is specifically talking about possessions here too. And I don't want to get off that and make it just a spiritual sort of thing. God expects me to give my money to help others. God expects me to give my resources, whether it's a car, whether it's a home, whether it's food, or whether it's cash, to help other believers who are in need as part of my fellowship with them. We often hear missionaries, they often send us letters and say, thank you for your fellowship in my work. Thank you for your partnership in my work. And it often comes after we've sent them money. We have a responsibility to share what we have with other believers and to help other believers. Fellowship is also praying together, it's serving together, it's growing and aging together. I think it's great that we age together as a church, isn't it? In fact, before yesterday, it was my 25th anniversary to be at Northbrook Bible Chapel. I'm glad I've been in the same place for 25 years. I'm glad I've been with you guys for 25 years. It's a great encouragement to me. He wants us to grow together, to serve together. These are the fibers of fellowship. It's because we share together in a common life in Christ, and we're called to share with one another whatever we have, spiritual, material resources, to encourage one another, to build one another up, that we may grow. I put this last little slide up here. The fellowship, koinonia, from partnership, a community of believers in unity, freedom, living lives of worship in honor of Jesus Christ with abandon, 
exuberance, and joy. May that be said of us. May we be exuberant and joyful in our fellowship. May we grow. Father, thank you this morning for time to look into your word. I pray that you would help us to grow in this area of our life. I pray, Lord, that we don't just come and go through the motions of just doing church because it's something, because it's Sunday on the calendar. May our relationships with one another be deeper and richer than that. May we be partners together. May we have communion with one another. May we share what we have. May we share with one another from the scriptures, encouraging one another. May we share of our material possessions with those who are in need. May the needs of the saints be met. May you use us in these ways. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I did ask for a song.